studio uh we need a host for the podcast so uh you're it yeah sure what's uh what's the host do again <sighs> seriously the host you know introduces the podcast with pieces waxes lyrical about current events current missed events you know that kind of thing but there are no current missed events and no current uru events so i guess you don't really need me <laughs> no you stay here read and make it good. I'll be in the sound booth, and if there isn't goodness, I'll be back. Oh, fine. Give me that. Uh, well, then. Welcome to the cavern to... Look, I'm reading it, okay? If you want to stare at me like that, I'm not going to read it. Honestly... Welcome to the Cavern Today, Episode 8 for April 2011. It's been a little while since our holiday podcast. The Cavern Today staffers are responding to the slower Miss Uru news cycle with a more on-demand approach, which might result in only quarterly podcasts. With that said, we still have another great podcast ahead. We have a TCT Talk where you'll hear some familiar voices, a new audio piece by Morris, a Moog Thought, and while I don't want to make any promises, there might be donuts. So enjoy podcast number eight, where it's all about rewarding the player. Welcome to another episode of The Cavern Today. With us today, we have Alhan, Hello. Dalkin Starbine, Greetings, citizens. Jeff, or Jeff Wise. Hey. Morris. Question marks? And me, Janathus. So, here we are, one year in, one year later, since the launch of Mulligan, or Missed Online Uru Live, again. <laughs> that almost sounds bad. Oh, again? <laughs> again. It's like the game that won't die. We keep trying to kill it, and it just won't stay down. <laughs> I don't See, I, sh- I don't think that I've tried to kill it repeatedly. You guys may have, but that's on you. It, I think it should have been called Uru or UU again if, if we're going to go with the again, but whatever. <laughs> what most of this missed community doesn't know is I've been trying to destroy this franchise for years and I keep failing. <laughs> oh wait, I didn't say all oh, wrong podcast. It's <laughs> <laughs> doing a podcast about a beloved franchise is not the way to kill it. <laughs> it simply I'm doesn't. I'm just well. happy that I can actually get Mola to work now. <laughs> it won't disconnect me every five minutes. Remember doing that? Oh, that was fun. I, I will say that you know, even looking back, you know, miss looking at Mola. I don't, I don't really play it to play it anymore. I've done all the content in this case six to seven times, considering <laughs> how many times we restarted the game. But it's still really nice just to go in, kind of the atmospheric thing, and especially now that I have a, now that I've you know got a. Very high def video card, some great speakers, uh, an HDTV that's wired up to my computer. Going in and playing some Uru, like and experiencing like my nostalgia and using that as my baseline to test my new technology. It's always it, it, it's always kind of a little treat. It's, I guess it's my guilty pleasure. I know it's not going to look a whole lot better, but it's still my still a fun thing. Yeah, I love going back in and you know just 
going through the ages and, you know, nostalgia and all that kind of stuff. I do, for Mola, still need to get help on Anone and uh, Eddard Dallin and Sobo, <laughs> but... <laughs> Yeah, and I'll, I'll I'll just get Mr. Nathus to, to help me out with it, on It's possible to do it yourself, but it's just really clunky that way. Mm-hmm. And I and just on a on a finer point, I I like to call it Mule A. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, too bad. I'm calling it Mola. No, I'm not correcting you. I'm just saying that's what I like to call it because I don't know. It just gives me a, a whole. It's like a, a scientific designation. Mule A. <laughs> Subject A. Alongside yeah, I, hepatitis B. <laughs> I was talking to Moog about it the other day, and we were just discussing the finer points of Uru, and I think one of the most surprising things about it, which kind of really set it apart, was that it was a very unique game. There hasn't been an online massively multiplayer. I mean, I use massively in quotation marks because it's <laughs> never been super massively, but this game is incredibly unique in the sense that it has completely different goals than other games do. Mm-hmm. And the it's kind of attracted a very different type of user base than most games attract. Think of the early mm-hmm. days. The things that uh, everybody kind of muses over with the nostalgia are all glitches and bugs with the game, but we all kind of accepted those bugs and kind of played with them. We made the bugs and glitches part of the game. And we also have uh, people who, who are professional glitch writers, mm. the uh, skydivers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess to kind of summarize, but I don't play Uru all that often, but I do miss it when I don't play it. And so I do pop it in every now and then and walk through the ages. I especially like Aider Sogal. I think that little fountain in the tall grass and the crickets mm. in the background or whatever is just, it's very, very calming and soothing. I'll sit in the pod ages and just stare out at the woods, hoping to one day see one of those stupid animals that everyone's talked about, but I've <laughs> still never seen the in- entirety of the time I've tried. <laughs> well, Moog said he was in the city the other day, and there was 38 people in, in the age, actually. But, you know, 38 is not, you know, oh, my God, it's back. But it's actually it's pretty good. Yeah, um, it's a decent uh, number. Yeah. Um, Most of the time when actually, I log in, admittedly, it's at weird hours during the day or on weekends or something. But usually yeah, I only see, too. like, 8 to 10 people online at all. So seeing 32 people in the cavern, that that's kind of a... I log into well, the Mist Online forums and I check the the Cavcom meter that uh, uh, Watson is always yeah kind of Raw was keeping I, up yeah and I keep expecting it to kind of dip down but it still stayed at the same uh, Cavcom level the entirety yeah. of the time which means they're getting funding from someone either through donations or from sales of their. Or they've cut back the uh, server usage that it doesn't cost that much to run. Uh, two things I want to say, though. Um, at this point, having bought the uh, Uru Complete Chronicles through Steam, Mule is actually the most stable version of Uru, in my opinion, as far is. as like yeah. across the board. Mm-hmm. Which you wouldn't have expected it, it, for those of us who were in the beta of Mule, you know, when mm-hmm. the physics engine just was not playing ball mm-hmm. for the longest time. And, and like it's you still have, if you, if you jump in place, your character kind of has this abbreviated jump. Yeah, it can, they kind of jerk and <laughs> yeah. fall back but, down again. But it's nice to, to pop in and you know be able to run things. Like uh, the only place that I, that I can say I can say that CC actually runs better, and there's only one place, is the cleft. The other one is: is it just me, or is there never anyone in the hoods? No. The the hoods yeah. are empty, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that I've used to be what we did have one or two people on them on occasion, but for the most part, they seem to be pretty much just. There's that one hood with the robot in it <laughs> that you can talk to. Was yeah. it? The oh, uh, Orange Hair Boy. Oh, yeah. OHB. Yeah. Uh. OH Bot. There's always someone there. Well, there was also uh, briefly the the hood of illusions and what was the other one called the, the fun, fun house? house yeah yeah mm-hmm. i never got to play those i never got to see those oh you missed out yeah, me neither it was kind of and, and i've checked i've checked like the last few days like the last week actually um moog mentioned and he said they were gone so i've been popping in to see if maybe they would pop up and either they're no longer there or they're private now or maybe they just got buried in the hood list. It's impossible. I, I wish those DRC, you know, 2050, whatever, of course, would <laughs> The disappear. umpteen DRC hoods. Yeah. Yeah. See, that confuses me, because I thought that they the reason they brought those up was to sort of combat the fact that there was a lot of hacking that was going on. So now what? Did they, I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm confused. Yeah, I don't know. I know that there's been a lot of drama on, like, the forums and stuff related to the 
hacking. Um, I haven't read a whole lot into it, but I guess there's a group called the Grey Hats who are supposed to be aiming more for the benign uses of hacking, and then I guess there's been issues coming out with people who aren't, who haven't had such... Are you, are you talking about the steps that culminated in the creation of these hoods, where like, the hackers were no, just not, actually showing not, they could do it? No, not even... Even after that, is there have been posts on forums where people have been uh, upset at, at some other people hacking. Uh, you know, that's, the, that's one of the things I don't like. That kind of stuff. So I understand that you know Uru tends to be uh, pretty samey same. I know that it doesn't change a whole lot, and therefore we're kind of used to the not change. But you know, the whole idea that that somebody te- creates this hood environment that allows us to you know see what they can do with their exploits is fine. And I have no objection to it on any level. But then you have these people saying that it shouldn't happen at all. I, I don't understand this behavior, and there's actually something linked on another topic that we're, we've, we're talking about in another uh, venue, that if you have things the way you want them, why do you care if anyone else has them the way that they want them? Yeah, in the same vein, like like if you think that being, you know, to use uh, World of Warcraft as a reference, like if you like being a druid, uh, there's like three different classes, three different approaches, you know, feral, balance, and I forget the one that, that heals. Um, you, t- just because you want to be feral doesn't mean no one else wants to be balanced. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand, like, why would you think that the people who are doing the other thing shouldn't have it just because you want it to be the one well, thing? Yeah, I don't understand that, that logic at all. It's not like it hurts the people who have a different play style to, you know, let anyone else have a different play style than what they want. Uh, you know? Oh, I run into that in Modern Warfare 2 all the time. Well, it's mm-hmm. kind of a yeah. similar argument to noob. The, uh, the console wars for, you know, people say, oh yeah, well, you know, people complain to blogs and stuff that kind of seem to cater towards certain player types. Like, they say, oh, you guys are Xbox fanboys. You only talk about the Xbox and you give poor reviews to PS three systems and stuff is like, well, what is, how does that affect you in any way? Yeah. You know, what is it with your dollars or your devotion? Go somewhere that does give you what you want. I, I don't understand. Why would you sit there? Just like I see people come into games that, uh, that are different than what they like to play. Like people come into guild wars and complain that wow is better than I'm like, why aren't you playing? Wow. S T F U and go away. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't it's, understand. It's like some scratch your own back their, and make yourself happy. It's like some people make it their mission to make other people miserable. Yeah. I understand like, the whole you know, troller griefer concept. Mm-hmm. I just, I really wish I could wrap my mind around why somebody would want mm-hmm. to do it. Yeah, and I don't get that either. You know, it's like if you can go and do the thing that you want to, go do that and leave us alone. Let us do our thing mm-hmm. that we want to do. You know. Hey, question. Or I might shoot you in the face. Question. Kind of, you know. <laughs> <laughs> did did they ever fix the Minkata Sparkly? No, as far as I know, oh. they didn't. I don't know. Actually, I I was just in Minkata, and I think it actually did work when I walked over it. But then again, I think it worked when I was in the initial incarnation of... Uh, well, the problem was that the, the sparkly was broken, and mm-hmm. they replaced it with the previous version from the beta to get it working in the, in the live version, and they don't have that copy for this version. Uh-huh. That was the problem. But in a case, uh, that's... Yeah, I think it works fine you for just me kind of, in this version. It, I'm actually happy not to have it, <laughs> because I don't like the little fireworks thing. I'm glad to have no, most of the sparklies, but the, the firework. Well, I don't. I want the sparklies, but not the fireworks. Mm. So, so I'm glad that I am not compelled to complete it, because I would, because I just can't help myself. Mm-hmm. I went back, and uh, I picked up the iPhone version of Riven, which we'll talk about a little bit later. And it made me realize sort of how much I missed that sort of classic, you know, sort of feel of the original game. And what I realized is that's sort of because the original games put such a focus on your isolation and sort of having, I guess, an infinite amount of time to sort of just observe your surroundings and, you know, understand them and figure out what's going on. And the whole idea of taking that experience and making a multiplayer kind of breaks that immersion sort of because well that's that was i, I understand that that approach but the thing is uh, the way mule or, or uru was originally pitched to us really sounded more like a um an episodic game that allowed co-op multiplayer 
mm-hmm. and that so that you could actually share the experience with people because they said in a lot of cases people were playing together in the same room, yeah, playing Riven. Somebody would drive and somebody would like you know write take notes or whatever mm-hmm. and vice versa. I was cool with that idea, uh, but when the then the multiplayer MMO concept came out, I don't know if they did a shift in focus there. I mean, there's a lot of uh, a lot of stuff I would say is missing from Uru in the very least content is just not as expansive as you would expect for the amount of time they spent developing it. So a couple of things have ha- have to have happened. At, at least one point they had to have reset and said we have to like start over because um if you've seen any like the early versions what the avatars look like they were they were highly primitive. Mm. So at some point they had to dial it up a notch. And I'm guessing at some point they reorientated their direction. I'm almost sure of it. I mean, I can't prove it. I don't have any kind of... Uh, well, we do know that the that the initial point of view, um, we know that the dirt concept, the Denis in real time, was just that. It was basically a... Uh, and, and it also kind of extended through uh, Parable, where they talked about this was going to be a game where, that would let you explore the city of Denis in a 3D real-time environment. It wasn't until Parable became Mud Pie and later Uru that they started mentioning... And it's also in a multiplayer online space. So I, I believe you're dead on there, Janathus. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it just it seems like there's not enough contact for how long they developed it, mm-hmm. you know? What if it, it had get, been uh, more of a Mist 5 like game? That would have been interesting. I, you know, I still think the idea of, of the uh, the increasing vault and the, the added ages, you know, had a lot of merit, even if it was single player or even just co op. Um, Downloadable and, expansions perfect, and patches. Yeah, yeah, it would have worked. It would have worked well today in today's age of DLC. Yeah, the perfect example mm-hmm. we have. Um, you've got co-op in the situation, say like Lego Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a similar co-op situation with uh, Rainbow Six Vegas. Anthony and I played through the, the sword together, co-op. You know, but I hosted. You know, mm-hmm. why why couldn't that have been what they did? You know, the MMO. I mean, at the time that they did it, it, this is all hindsight. I mean, none of this information would have helped them back then because at the time it was still uncharted territory. But right now, you see a lot of MMOs come and go without actually getting mm-hmm. anywhere. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if if I could take today's knowledge and go back to when Uru launched, I could have said it's not going to make it. It's just it's not in this climate, especially with you know the way World of Warcraft. It's at the great time on paper, taken. just not so much in implementation. Mm-hmm. And again, the original paper piece was something I wanted. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, and something I really always loved about Ru was the NPCs were not, you know, robots. <laughs> they were, you know, basically like the NPCs that you would have in a tabletop kind of game. You know, they were interactive, controlled by, you know, real people. And now, again, way. I like the concept, but I don't like the implementation. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, because the, the, the concept of real people driving the avatars to do these particular scenarios, perfect, mm-hmm. awesome, great. But it cannot be restricted to only a few people having to be at the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. I understand. That I, don't, I don't care. I understand that it's a, that it makes it feel a lot more realistic. But a lot of times, being realistic fails at yeah. games. And me and Janathus had a discussion the other day about, um, yeah, I know it's kind of an offshoot, but we talked about uh, realistic uh, multiplayer shooter games versus the more kind of goofy ones like Team Fortress 2 and how realistic, quote-unquote, is actually not realistic at all. It's just aesthetically closer. And yeah. actual realism in gaming is not the point. Gaming is an escapist activity. No matter what game you're playing or how you're playing it, it's always an escapist activity. Well, right. And, and Get I didn't out of my mean head. about, I was just about like how Sorry. realistic it is. I was just saying how immersive it was. And there, there's kind of a, a line there that is, you know, you can get immersed great, into an escaping, you know, you can get immersed into that environment and escape from reality. Um, yeah, you know, which is why you know, reaching is, is again the idea of somebody live driving the avatar is great, but it has to be replicated so that the most people actually hit the, the fattest yeah, part of that. That, that was so the that biggest problem with that is because otherwise, what are you paying for? Time, yeah. and they couldn't. And then do don't it forget for the everybody. lag too. I was actually just going to drive us into uh, you know immersion and how Riven figures in immersion and I Riven. One of the things I, I remember uh, when I first experienced Mist with on a friend's computer. This is back in the Windows ninety five days. Ninety eight was just coming out. The thing I noticed was that uh, he said the slideshow. He's like, at first you, it was really abstract and it feels like you can't get past it. And then before you know it, you don't even notice the slideshow anymore. Mm-hmm. It's just you're in the world regardless. And it's interesting that that it takes a small imaginative leap. 
in order to like enjoy Riven, especially now because we're so used to not that kind of a gameplay. <laughs> yeah. But uh, once you get into it, it doesn't. It isn't a slideshow anymore. Yeah, you don't. I mean, you don't notice the click change. Click change. It just yeah. flows after a while. And it's weird um, the way they adapted it on on the uh, the iPhone and all well, the the i devices. You know, I, I guess it can be played on iPad and iPod touches. Mm. Is that you know you don't actually have to tap the side you can swipe the screen to turn around and to me that makes more sense it's mm-hmm. that would, it, it's that way also in i missed unfortunately i haven't gotten around to buying i riven yet but it's yeah. what when they ported these games to i to the i devices they definitely took into account what these devices are capable of with the touchscreens and used them to their best ability to, in in translating it to the missed games mm-hmm. yeah um, the swiping was brilliant. I mean, I started doing it naturally, even though like all the instructions only said was to tap the edges of the screen. But I was swiping, even though it was never even mentioned. It's just all these nat- natural motions that comes from being an iDevice user. Yeah. They, they played mm-hmm. right into them, and it works great. And it lends itself to it. The only thing is, I mean, that, that you would think it would be a natural progression and a, and a direction they could actually take with this and actually be cutting edge, except Epic Citadel. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> 3D can be done at a level that, you know, it's just, I've said it more than once, if I could just go back in the past and shove Unreal Engine 3 into their hands mm-hmm. with whatever money it, it took to get them mm-hmm. rolling, mm-hmm. they could have done so much better with their content. Mm-hmm. The one question I have about iRiven, and I haven't played it yet because I don't actually own a device that can play it, is... Are the Easter eggs still intact? I haven't I haven't tried to find them yet. I do know that there's a lot of changes in the game. At first, you think it's lagging, but what it is is they've actually cut the frame rate down on some of the animations. It's running fine. It's just the frame rate is lower. Mm-hmm. But you know, if, to the watchful eye of somebody with 2015 vision, you can see the frame rate lag. I'm amazed they were so. able to cram that massive game down that small anyway. Well, that's why yeah, they, they had gotta, to cut the frame rate down. They had to make the animations take up less room. But I will say on a couple fronts where I noticed problems in Riven, you know, in, in successive replays on advancing OSs and QuickTime versions. Uh, the animations don't stand out. I mean, obviously, the, the certain part of the screen blurs when the animation occurs. Mm-hmm. But what happened is, like, the little box would actually kind of move away from where it's supposed to be. And so it doesn't line up anymore. So the immersion is kind of broken by that. Uh, the iRiven version seems to have corrected that. And I think that's one of the things that, that, that they really needed to fix in Riven over time is patch it for you know succeeding versions of Windows and QuickTime what have you so that these things continue to work. Mm-hmm. I can't I, I can't imagine it would have been that hard and it would have given their product that much more longevity if it always continued to play. Yeah, the only problem is that in the handheld version, what usually happens is that right during or before an animation happens, like there's a drastic change in brightness slash hue in the room. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's very noticeable. Well, for a but little it while, shift so. There was a problem where if you tilted your phone a certain way, uh, as I was I was playing it laying in bed with the the phone above my head, and because of the angle the phone was at, the way I was holding it, all the all the hotspots were being encircled in little green circles, sort of like a cheat thing to tell you this is where you can click. You got detective vision on. <laughs> yeah, and it's but that's you have to in order to get rid of it, you have to hold the phone horizontal, perfectly horizontal. Mm. And uh, they fixed that in in the next patch, but that that was. I, up until that point, I was playing just fine, and then I stopped because of that. So, But uh, I think iRiven is a very good implementation. It sits on my phone, and I pick it up here and there. Um, the only downside is that Riven, I know enough to, to do the puzzles. They don't have them memorized, so I have to kind of go and write down my clues, and I don't have the ability to do that on my phone. Yeah, hmm. there should be like a notepad section of that game. Yeah, that's that's the only problem. And I, I remember drawing charts like this is the square that occurs and this is the quadrant that the actual dome is and things like that. And like I know what I need to note, I, but I have a, I have no ability to do so on the phone, and so that's going to hold me back. So what I'm probably going to do is have my little ribbon guide nearby so I can just mm. cheat through those sections. So yeah, I know that what, that's evil. But after a while, you're not playing for the challenge; you're playing for the story yeah. and the experience. As I mentioned before, one of the things that playing it real, made me realize is. Oh my god, I really want another Mist game. And the thing is, what I'd equate that to uh, most closely is uh, sort of Portal. Because Portal, I found, and I was kind of shocked by this when I first played it only about a year ago, um, is that it really captures that isolation mm-hmm. that the original games were yeah. really so keen to you know, bash you over the head with. And I haven't had that feeling in like any other game since then. 
That's what I uh, when I when I gave that to Tim as a gift for last Christmas. Um, I called it you know the FPS game for miss gamers, mm. and uh, and he loved the, the, the poop out of that poor thing. I mean he's he's got more hours into than I think I've, he's put anything in the Steam lately. Mm. <laughs> even Moog liked it, even though he just didn't have the capacity to beat it. I'm, I'm yeah, it's at to some point it, coming out soon. Yeah, at um, some point it required some some level of dexterity. I think that exceeded his ability, and that it's you know he can't play the second one because it looks like the second one's going to need even more of that. So you know, as an example, like you you get catapulted. It looks like there's a section where you get catapulted between these things that are going to have spikes that are that are going to close in rapid succession as they detect you there. And if you're not moving fast enough, if you're instead of the right speed of movement, that's going to be a problem. So maybe it's best he stopped where he did. But like that's 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 the kind of thing that I would really want out of like a potential not so much the same kind of game but like and obviously not so much the types of puzzles because no um <laughs> but you know something with sort of the similar controls not that I'm saying that there should be a you know a device or well, a gun of any sort but you know like WASD, you know, with the mouse standard you know, FPS yeah. controls. I mean you said you want another miss game. Yeah. Um, I mean <laughs> I think I think Exile fits perfectly into the the series. Um, but it seems like the community is pretty much united on the fact that Revelation doesn't quite. So why is that? <laughs> so Revelation has no soul. Really. Revelation. <laughs> down to it. Playing the game, the game is by far one of the most beautiful in the series. It has some yeah. really... Yeah. Imp- I mean, there's stuff from set, Revelation set, set. which I could, ju- I could throw into uh, Miss 3 retroactively. Like, um, I, I guess the way they did the 3D surround division images mm-hmm. is that they were actually cubes not actually spheres and revelation i'm saying exile was spheres mm-hmm. and you you get that bubble vision sense when you're in them sometimes whereas in revelation it seems to be th- this the layout is better in my opinion is, is for the sense of the world having its static presence aside from that though uh revelation has a lot of problems with you know the puzzles being something you figured out like two hours ago but still can't quite get right mm. You know, mm-hmm. so Revelation but I, has the distinct, at least from my point of view, Revelation has the distinct awkwardness of being a really, really well done adventure game, especially in the traditional Mist style, because there hasn't really been any of those since basically Exile. The problem is, it is a terrible Mist game. It it's really in that awkward place where it does not fit the, the quality, the standards, and the storyline of the rest of the, of oh. the Mist series. But oh. on its own, if it was called anything except Mist 4 Revelation, I think it would have been considered a great adventure game. Well, who's beaten the, that game here I, of the five of us? I have. Me. Admittedly cheated, but I have. Okay. So David and, and – or excuse me, Dalkin and, and Alhan. <laughs> the, uh, the, the one, one of the sections that drove me crazy was where you had to attune all of the souls in the dream sequence. Uh, that was mm. bad, but it wasn't as bad as the monkey puzzle. <laughs> but the thing, the thing is, like, there wasn't a way not to touch them. So yeah. you had to figure out a pattern to complete it that, that used the geometry of where they were. And to me, that's one of those things where, like, okay, you're just putting um, arbitrary and unnecessary roadblocks in my way. Mm-hmm. Similarly, when you had to um, align the phrases in the one dream sequence where they were in the right order, mm-hmm. how you had to, like, because it progressed from, like, one to the next to the next to the next, then you had to actually, like, get this pattern down to get them to move, in which case it's one of those things where, once again, you've got it solved, but you're you're not even an hour yeah. near actually <laughs> Just waiting for yeah, the Simon, you know, Simon to come up. Do, 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 do. Yeah. yeah, so it's, it's, it's really like you know annoying. where the pieces need to go, but you don't know how to put them there because mm-hmm. you can't pick them up and put them there. You have to like go in this roundabout way. And that's and that's where that's just you know that's just making a game too difficult to extend gameplay unnecessarily. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I see that a lot in the gaming world. And I think that is the one place where you know the the argument that consoles are are watering down games. I'm like you know I'm actually not a, not opposed to that because. It, it, I'm not saying I want the games to be falling out of your chair easy, but I think there should be a slider. You know, I want I want to try you know, moving have the you slider. Tried moving the, okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to I want to be bent over the end of the table and you know taken for all I'm worth, or I want to actually be able to sit down on a chair and just relax. You know, I mm-hmm. I shouldn't have there shouldn't be they get to pick. That's speaking kind of, of beauty, comparing uh, like look, especially comparing what everyone considers to be the quintess quintessential miss game being Riven. Riven also had absolutely devious puzzles that nobody could figure mm. out. But the thing yep. about Riven that makes everybody look at Riven with such with such fondness and Revelation with such mixed feelings is every single puzzle in Riven had a purpose in the world. 
I mean, yes. every Once... everything that you had to solve, that you had to figure out, actually you could have seen being used and being solved by various villagers, by Gan, by other people in the world. Yeah. They're there for a reason. In Revelation, you got to certain puzzles, and there were a number of puzzles that were that way. But you got to certain things like the infamous monkey puzzle, which was my killer, and the whole dream sequence, that it's just like these are puzzles purely to be really obnoxious puzzles, and yeah. no same yeah. person would actually be using these. Well, in, in Riven, they, they not only added the story, but once they came clear, they made sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, Like you, you said, okay, I can understand why this would be yeah. this way. How on earth was Cirrus able to construct any of that stuff on the Spire Age? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did he have tools? That's a, that's a concept I like to refer to as naturally occurring puzzles, and that's a bit of a misnomer, but it's the term I like to use. Because it doesn't really have to do with nature, or else that would describe the monkey puzzle. But <laughs> by that, I mean... Um, it fits the nature know, of the game, Everything though. should make sense. Like, everything should sort of have its, you know, have its own yeah. story. Everything should... In some cases, you know, the, the uh, you you see things and the, the bullshit meter goes off. Yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah, like it shouldn't be there just for the sake of being there. Yeah. Like like the like the dam that Atris had somehow uh, built in Tamana, looking like this massive steampunk... Yeah contraption that just he his wife and his daughter built that which which you know <laughs> which would be you know unbelievable in say you know the aliens versus predator universe you know <laughs> yeah. somehow he's got this in the desert it's the know? uh it's the it's the fact that um you really you want to feel like the game developers are taking you seriously and you want to be challenged but when you go to see it when you go to do a puzzle you don't want it to feel like ha, now you have to do this yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So there's well, a, there's a fine line. Just like Moa characterized it, or excuse me, uh, characterized it before that, uh, you know, usually once you have the solution to a puzzle in, you know, science games, the enacting solution is effortless. <laughs> Whereas, you know, in Revelation, you have the solution, but <laughs> good luck getting it done. Yeah. And that's what's actually stopped me from replaying it. I mean, I've done, I've made it through the game twice, but I tried to start up a third time and I just can't get very far because not because I can't figure out the puzzles, but after a certain point, like, like the interest is gone because like mm-hmm. you think like, oh, now I've got to do this part, you know, this thing I've got to do. Yeah, it's like figuring out answer. how to implement the solution to the puzzle is like a puzzle in itself, but it's not a fun one. Yeah. <laughs> It, that's exactly it. That's what that's the main point, just like we were talking about with Uru. You know, it's it comes to a point like this yes, this may be realistic, but no, it is not fun and that's what we play games for. Right. <laughs> you, you know what you know what uh Exile was really good at? Exile was really good at rewarding the player for yes. Yes. in a in a number of different ways. Obviously everybody points to uh uh Amateria. Amateria. Yeah. That's probably my favorite age but, of all time. But even in the in the musical sense, one of the things that Jack Wall uh, had originally tried to do with the game is that he sort of, Jack Wall, obviously, as we all know, is very robust, you know, very bombastic in his music stylings, hence mm-hmm. the opening to <laughs> Exile, actually. Mm-hmm. But he really wanted to emulate, uh, Robin Miller, what he did with, uh, Mr. Riven as much as possible. What he noticed is that Robin really doesn't try to ever sort of, you know, express anything unless a player has sort of finished a puzzle. And he really wanted to take that idea because he loved doing big bombastic stuff, but he also wanted to respect that. So you'll hear when you're in like Amateria, for instance, like sort of the themes come here and there, but it's sort of in the background and it's nothing really, really sort of, it's really yeah, exactly. very well done. But when you've actually finished the entire age, you hear the entire theme in all of its fanfare and glory. And, you know, you really do feel rewarded at having, you know, gone through all that, you know, in both a psychological and a literal sense. Uh, well, you know, there's a, there's a piece in, um, that I created myself, actually, out of like the 200 or 300 disparate sound and video or sound and audio files that were in the game's install sound folders, but not really altogether in the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. As a perfect example, you know the main theme to Exile. They kind of shot out the age names, you know. Yeah. Oh Ida. Yeah, yeah. There is a point where you're you're going down the stairs. I think that's the first place I noticed it. That's why it's in my my head so well. But you're you're in Jananan, the first one, the the the, the hub age of everything, mm-hmm. and you're going down the stairs towards the lower garden type area, and out of nowhere, the the chorus kind of comes out in this echo with one of those age names. Okay, and then you go down a, few, a step further, and it and it comes again. I think it, I think they alternate the left and the right when they do it, and so there's this 
interesting uh, ambience to that. And I thought, I, I need a piece that captures this. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I embarked on the three-week project of assembling all the files, put them in, a, in a, some kind of an order, and produced my 13-minute Exile Hidden Tracks piece. Wow. If that doesn't say nerd, I don't know what does. <laughs> I, I, yes. want, I want that track now, though. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking so, of music, they did something very interesting in Mist 4 and in a smaller extent, uh, Uru, is the inclusion of uh, Peter Gabriel. Now, I just, to me, it seemed very random that he was involved in these projects at all. It mm. seemed like he came to the studio saying, Yeah, I really like your Mist games, and I want to be... <laughs> I want to include something in the next one. And they felt like they couldn't turn it down. You know, I mean, they used Peter Gabriel in the commercials for Uru. It's playing on the boombox next to Jeff Zandi. I, I kind of like it in Uru. But mm. in it just kind of plays into the whole Mist Four is not a Mist game vibe for me because exactly. you go to the dream sequence, which is you know for as much crap as we give it, it is very beautifully done. I think it's like it is one of my favorite cutscenes in the Mist series. But yeah. then you have this really trippy Peter Gabriel piece that's playing over it, and in Uru it made sense. Jeff is listening to it on his radio, and you got it in the credits on the single player version. To be fair, though, when he started talking to you, because uh, he actually does the voice of the spirit guide, he does have a very nice voice. Mm-hmm. Like, oh. His speaking voice is gorgeous. Yeah, so so Maros is all like, uh, talk to me more, Peter. Oh, shut up. <laughs> oh, that Peter Gabriel song is one of my favorite <laughs> Peter Gabriel songs ever, and I'm a big fan of Peter Gabriel. You I've know, got a whole bunch of his albums, but it just yeah, I have, I have another so one that, weird. That it's, it's just out of place, yeah. Yeah, I, I like it there, because it's... In uh, in the case of the radio, the song is part of the environment. It just it adds to the ambiance because it's Jeff listening to his boombox. And on the end credits in the single player, it's the end credits. You're kind of kicked out of the uh, kicked out of the ambiance and already simply because it's end credits. But when you hit Mist Four, you get admittedly one of the most beautiful um, uh, cutscenes in the Mist series. But all of a sudden, you get this really trippy Peter Gabriel singing uh, the, the track Curtains. It is the only time in the entirety of the Mist series you hear a pop song being used as the soundtrack and not as part of incidental music. And it's really jarring. I mean, all of a sudden, you're used to classic, you know, full symphony and and choir and electronic music that is the Mist series to this point. And then you get a Peter Gabriel pop song. And it's it's just so jarring. And, and like I said, if like this wasn't free. a Mist game, Maybe it would have worked really, really well, but this I is. I think a your problem game. is that it that it seems more like a music video than an actual game sequence. True, I would that agree too. with that sentiment. Yeah. Yeah, it really That's, feels. I like still thought it was a really just... great sequence, and you know, the song <laughs> did fit really Don't well. Don't like that. It scares me. <laughs> <laughs> Stop doing this. <laughs> the song fit really well for you know the feel of the the thing the scene but you know, like like you said it wasn't very mist like in the fact that yeah. it was a pop song it, it'd be, well, a, it'd I, be I, as I if there was it. a star wars movie where all of a sudden at the end of the movie carrie fisher as princess leia came out and started singing a christmas song and oh wait <laughs> I'm gonna go die in the corner. Please excuse me. Funny <laughs> case. But as the, I w- as I was saying before, I think one of the biggest flaws is that it doesn't reward the player for sort of putting up with the game's crap. I don't know. There's a, there's a series of of uh, puzzles that lead to that particular sequence. Know, it, the problem is the sequence ends with a punishment. You have a puzzle to solve. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, Riven put this to very good effect in that even though in Miss sort of there were linking books everywhere, linky books everywhere, books everywhere, in Riven you would hardly ever see a linking book. So when you finally solved one of the puzzles that leads you to, oh my god, look, it's a linking book, that was really exciting. Mm-hmm. It was, oh my god, I've been on this yeah. island this entire time and now I'm about to leave. For the first time, oh, this is exciting, and it's and totally that was epic. A real sense of achievement, the you know. Water's rushing through the walls, and the music is crescendoing, and you see the stone slab uncover, yeah. and there's a linking book there. Not to mention the uh, the Golden Domes puzzle too, which is oh, yeah. the same the same thing, really. Mm-hmm. Well, the, you know, it's funny as the trailer has always treated it the way they made it look like as an action adventure, more so than uh, an actual, you know, 
adventure game. Yeah. And, the clips and that's unfortunate. It's like a bunch of doors closing and opening because that's the closest thing you have to action. But it it just sort of went nowhere, and you don't feel excited or interested because none of what you do seems to really have any impact on anything. It just sort of I don't know. See, see, we're kind of hammering on Revelation, and but I still find parts of it enjoyable. I remember having to trick it with the the save that I used. Remember how you had to do your um, oh yeah your elemental spirit. Mm -hmm. So I just saved, and I kept moving the direction necessary to find it. And then I would, you know, once I figured out where it was, because if you clicked one click too far, one click in the wrong direction, it would disappear. Mm. And so, you know, I would save and I'd go back and, you know, I would get it right. <laughs> Shouldn't have I, to game it quite like that. And that's, But I, you know, I still enjoyed bits and pieces of that game. Though. I really enjoyed the game as a whole, you know, missed or not. I thought it was a good game. It definitely has a great soundtrack, and I would probably put it as the best or second best soundtrack in the series. It's beautiful music. Oh, I love absolutely. it to death. It's one of the few video yeah. game soundtracks mm-hmm. that I will sit down and listen beginning to end. It's like the only other soundtracks are probably Mist 3 and The Witcher that I have that I can actually sit down and listen to like that. How many here oh, really? got to see I've... video games live with the uh, Mist segment? Only yeah. you. No. <sighs> I've, uh, I've seen VGL, but yeah, not with the Mist uh, segment. Uh, it's still on my wish list. Oh. I still haven't gotten it, though. Mm. Well... It is fortunately the, on the DVD, so... Yeah, at, at the time that I, I had the money for it, I wanted Crisis 2. I was like, Crisis 2, <laughs> and the Blu-ray to the videos are going on. Uh, Crisis 2. I just really like how people are really starting to appreciate video games as an art form, as opposed to just, oh, they're this new thing. You know, people are actually appreciating you know, that the the music and the visual aesthetic and all that kind of stuff that goes into video games. They're actually going and putting in a, a new exhibit in the Smithsonian covering video games. And Mist has the rather privileged position of being one of the only five playable games in the exhibit. What are the? Do we know what the other five games are? I didn't look at the links yet. Uh, the I other don't four? know. I believe they. I don't know. I know one of them is World of Warcraft. I forget what the others are. I think really? it's Super Mario World Brothers. World of Warcraft is playable. Yeah. That's gotta suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I saw that and was wondering how they were going to make that work. But um, you're going to be in the starting area, probably, or they're going to put you in the middle of a raid, and you know you're going to be noobish. <laughs> I think because, the other you know, like name Mario Brothers is Art Exhibit. <laughs> Good lord. Yeah. Maybe they'll 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 nerf it so that you you know you you are massively power and your your weakest spell is, is all it takes to kill even the hardest of, of enemies. But <laughs> I just thought that that was so cool because you know they basically did this whole huge voting thing. I don't even know if it's over yet, but they did this whole voting thing to put to, to pick you know which games would be in the exhibit. And, you know, like this, they opened this vote up to the public, and Mist wasn't on that list. So there ended up being a letter-writing campaign started by Isaac and Adrian from the Mysterium Film Group, uh, sending in a ton of letters over to the Smithsonian to figure out what the deal was, why Mist wasn't on this list. And then they get a response from... Uh, Chris Melissinos, who's the curator of the Art of Video Games exhibition at the Smithsonian, and uh, he says the reason for that is is because Mist is one of those only five playable games. He talks about you know how incredible it is and everything, because of course it is. I just thought that that was really awesome that Mist got one of those spots i think it's really deserving of that well, spot. it's interesting you know mist is you know one of the best-selling games of all time the best-selling adventure game of all time and arguably the adventure game that killed the genre or maybe just the genre was ripe for killing and mm-hmm. it just happened to be there at the right time but mm-hmm. it, it's interesting that we all consider the pinnacle of the series to be riven which sold nowhere near as much as mist mm-hmm. well it's really interesting to kind of i mean we talked about it months ago about the uh, adventure gaming coming back into style, but I really wonder where adventure gaming would have been if Mist hadn't come around. I just was talking to somebody who uh, got a big ported seventh guest to the iPhone now. So, this, all these games are kind of popping out 
they're coming back. It's it's really kind of interesting to see that, and I wonder how much of that research has to do with, you know, the fact that they kept going with adventure games even after Mist. I mean, there was all those Mist clones and everything, but Cyan kept plucking away, and they made, you know, Riven, which is arguably one of the most epic of all the adventure games I've ever played. Yeah, maybe the, the fact that Riven's uh, puzzles are not as accessible, but I don't know, I, I think Mist had some very devious puzzles, too. Yeah, yeah. The like one of the things tram they, thing. Yeah, one of them they made the biggest uh, deal out of Riven was trying to have it so that whenever you made a change, there was an obvious result. As an example, like when you opened the gate uh, in the uh, the gate room at the beginning of Riven, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you, you flip a switch and something changes. You, you hear it immediately. Something has changed. Now I need to go find out what changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I know that was I know that's one of people's biggest uh, gripes with the original one, where they sort of say, "Oh, I'm just sort of clicking buttons." And I'm saying, "Oh, that's not doing anything," uh, uh, <laughs> you know. And and so yeah, that's a good point. Is that uh, Riven does make a very distinct effort to make it obvious that every everything you do has a real effect on the world, and I think that's important. You know, but at the same time, it it takes everything sort of takes it ser- you know it takes itself seriously. It doesn't doesn't feel like things are just being thrown at you for the hell of it, you know? It, but to be uh, fair, but, though, I mean, the whole general consensus does seem to, you know, that Riven is the pinnacle. There would be no Riven without Mist. Yeah, yeah. it's the and, Empire yeah. Strikes Back of, <laughs> of the Mist <laughs> yeah. genre. Yeah. It might be a better film. It might have had a bigger budget. It might have been prettier to look at and more epic in scope. But, you know, it just doesn't hold the place that... A New Hope does for most Star Wars fans. You see, to me, you know, that's I understand the that perspective on Star Wars, but I remember as a kid disliking Empire Strikes Back because Luke was defeated by Vader. <laughs> 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 and now as an adult, it's like my favorite of all the movies. Mm-hmm. Well, but uh, in the, but in the case of Riven, Riven was how I that's how I segged into the Mist series. I had heard about Mist before Riven, but Riven's the commercial, the one you know where they talk about the. The paths are raked, the everything is in readiness. You may enter whenever you please. Leaving, however, is a different matter. That is my favorite. That's <laughs> yeah, a great trailer. Again, a lot of sw- doors swinging open and closed. Mm. <laughs> you know, speaking of which, um, swinging the, the discussion a little bit back to Exile, because I just suddenly, you were talking about the motion of what the trailers show. I remember like the little basket in Exile, the little egg shape with pointy end baskets that had books in them, mm-hmm. how they, they came down. I remember the trailer shows them coming down on their little track or their rope or whatever, they're, however they came down. And it made it look so epic. I was like, why is that epic? <laughs> it's a basket coming down on a rope. <laughs> it's just this side of a wishing well, you know? <laughs> it's because the music, man. The music is just... It gets into it. You remember the one with the ball where you've got to raise the tracks and everything and get the ball to actually yeah. go in? Mm-hmm. I thought, I saw that uh, trailer, and here's the Miss Gamer in me. I see the lights coming out from the track and thinking the lights are the most important thing, not the actual motion of the ball. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's that feeling of success. It's like you see the motion, like the lights coming on. You, you see all these little things, but they're all the clues saying that you just solved a Miss puzzle. Congratulations and get yourself a beer because you, that, that's, yeah. that's an accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and the trailers, you know, kind of highlighted that. They were playing to their fan base because they knew what, what was it that we liked. We liked seeing those little rewards for solving even the smaller puzzles. Not Even if it wasn't the big puzzle of the age, but even just the little ones to get there. There was always I bet something. your revelation runs great too. Yeah. They feed them you to might. you like rapid fire with all these lens flare transitions in between each of them with this epic music playing in the background. And you're like, wow! Mm-hmm. I just experienced hours of well, gameplay in about 30 seconds. <laughs> well, we got a trailer like Star Wars was doing because I think either, either we had gotten episode one at the time we were about to. Uh, we got the Mist trailer, the first teaser for Mist three, and I don't, I'm not sure how much you follow the game industry to, to notice this or not, but we get teaser trailers that don't show anything of substance except to say this game is coming yeah. out, and that's and that's like six months beforehand. Whereas the, we received the trailer to um, to Mist three around November, like we're, like it was freaking uh, uh, Star Wars. You mm-hmm. know, they came out the trailers with the November holiday releases. And the game actually came out the following summer. And yeah. it's, it was interesting. But the trailer was, subs- was substantive. Mm. The only thing I wish they had done differently, um, not that not to diss Brad Dourif, 
but I loved the way they did that sequence where the guy was like, you know, hello, Atris, and he the tear was on I missed that. I wanted to see I, that in the game. Yeah, I really thought that would be a great moment in the game. Mm-hmm. And then, you know... It, it's a trailer scene, yeah. yeah. Was that yeah. just done for the trailer, or maybe yep, was there yeah. something that was cut? Or? Well, the thing is, the rest of it actually was gameplay stuff, so, you know, there wasn't any trigger to believe that that was false. At, also, the also music if you look, trailer... But if you look at that yeah. scene, you see he has, like, completely different hair from what Suvidro would oh, end up true, having yeah. and stuff. So it's, I think it was, that one shot was for the trailer, but it probably was, like, an early, uh, like, a test... A test shot. Well, I've got the two pieces of music that Jack Wall had on his website back when he was on mp3.com. I have those downloads. So as well. do I. I. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to have those. <laughs> now, Speaking the- of trailers, just a side note, I loved the trailer for Real Mist. Yeah. Oh, man, yeah. Yes. And they are real, you know, with Catherine doing yeah. that voiceover. And, yeah, and but, kind of- but, but she's Yisha. That's what, that's what she's being in the trailer. So does that kind of jade you a little bit, though? Yeah, a little bit, but I mean, it's it's you know, pretty cool, like how they kind of do that. Yeah, and then the I music. Can write dreams. They flow from me. Mm. But yeah. I touch them, and they are real. Well, the Fun thing fact, is, I, I had think... that poem on in on a strip of paper hanging from my computer monitor oh, at my job. For mm-hmm. I used to have the audio years. from it with and without the with the music and. Without the uh, both from MP3.com again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the thing is, I think that is supposed to be Catherine because I mean, it's yes, the same voice actress. The same, which doesn't make it the any same easier. voice actress. There's a distinct uh, British accent that she's speaking in during that trailer that Yisha does not speak in. Uh, oh well, the it's I, very it works slight. Out, it works though, for me either way so. because it really just talks about the art and writing the books. So it well, I like that the music kind of swelled into being. When you suddenly realize towards the end that it's just a remix of some of the themes from Mist in general, yeah, and you're like, "Oh, cool!" It got I remember really when the uh, when the demo beta video came out from Real Mist. It was showing like uh, little slideshows of uh, Mist. Mm-hmm. It was showing things like uh, you know, I, I wish I had this video. I think I deleted it too long ago, but it was show- talking about saying, you know, real mystery. Real vistas, mm-hmm. and then finally, the the picture landed on uh, sort of like the the Catherine video. It landed at the docks and said, "Now in real time." And then, like the little black and white blurry image grew larger and larger until it filled the screen, and then it transitioned to the real time, and then started moving real time. Mm-hmm. That's one kind of thing where it just it hits you with, "Wow!" You know, that's yeah. that's exactly what it needs to be. But then what they showed in that video, uh, first off, it was it was truncated. It was definitely a work in progress. Um, it used to be, I don't know if you remember, the Riven unofficial site. Did you guys ever go there? Uh, I did a little bit, but that was kind of before my time, yeah. to be honest. I remember when he, when he shut it down, I was like, oh, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was it was when, back when AOL would give you a, an, an at AOL hosting domain. Mm-hmm. So it was like, you know, Riven unofficial webpage at AOL.com. In any case, the... Uh, I remember when that came out and thinking, well, I want to see the finished version. And the trailer was completely different. But the trailer was like 10 billion times more epic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. One last thing I want to say about sort of adventure games in general and why I wish there was a, a new Myst game spinoff that somebody would make. Somebody that understands what makes these games so great. Uh, because in my efforts to sort of put get more uh, of this experience into my life, I asked... Bunch of the people on the team. Oh, you know, I need suggestions because I just I need more. So uh, one of the games that uh, was recommended to me was um, uh, what was it again? Uh, Aura: Fate of the Ages. And I said, uh, oh right, you know, I might as well try it. So I, you know, so I, I I I tried it out and like we're we're only in the intro video and I'm already noticing things that are wrong with this video game's philosophy. Mainly that the intro video is just going and going and going and going and going. <laughs> if you want so to have an immersive, like if you want to have an immersive adventure game, you can't dumb it down for the audience. That's their job to figure out. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that was a pretty good game, but it certainly was no missed. I mean, and and so I just I'm I'm I feel sad because I I, I think that. Um, what science understood a, was how to respect its audience. Didn't the same company do Schism, though? I don't know. I haven't tried Schism. Uh, yeah, well, Schism is going to hurt you. Oh, As no. Mog like, says, Schism's a booger. Yeah. There was a there was a guy that tells me how to do one of the puzzles, and it's a mathematical trick 
and the the math changes every time. And so he he like has you do this test to figure out which way the puzzle's doing it, and then you resolve to do it a certain way based on that math, which means you have to sit down and figure it out on a piece of paper. Oh. And I'm like, seriously? Are you kidding me? Okay, that reminds me of a certain puzzle inspire that I'm very, very mad at. <laughs> <laughs> we'll that topic. Anyway, I think it's time to, to wrap up, tie off this piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, then. So for the cavern today, this is Alhan. Hi. Or goodbye. Sorry. I'm a derp. Delkin. <laughs> Farewell, citizens. Jeff to the wise. To the wiggy dicky ziggy. Good lord. <laughs> Morris. Sure, ah, wow, that's nostalgic. And me, Janathus. Bye bye. Hello again, this is Moog for the Cavern Today. I'm reporting from my Relto this time, and I'm using my field recorder. 
After a solid afternoon of exploration, it's great to sit here on my bench and admire the view. <laughs> Never get tired of that view. And just collect a few thoughts. It's been a long time since my last report, and I do apologize for that. Uh, the months go by, and priorities change, and I don't find myself linking in as often as I used to. Well, that said, perhaps that explains why I cherish my time in the cavern and ages so much perhaps more now than ever before. After having lost access to the worlds of Denis in the past, I now see my time in the cavern as a precious gift, and I've been trying to make time to visit more often. And at least now, when everything else seems to have stalled, I actually do have a reason, and I want to talk about that for just a bit. Back when we were new to the worlds of Uru, we found ourselves trying to make sense of the age of Arcana, and little by little, this strange age and its amazing factory complex revealed their secrets. And we were to learn that this age was written for one specific purpose, to provide a means of nourishing the algae in the great lake of the cavern, to ensure that those algae could maintain their maximum brightness, along with the day-night cycle that was the rhythm of the Denis nation. The sources told us that this task was an essential part of the Great Restoration, and that the assistance of the entire community would be necessary to restore the lake, a project that would parallel and benefit the restoration of the great city itself. And it was a great feeling to be a part of that effort. But, as we all know, funding for this ambitious undertaking was always scarce and finally disappeared altogether. Having to leave the cavern was bad enough. We also knew that we might never see the city restored, and at the same time, we would never see the lake shine with its original splendor. Personally, I dreamed of seeing the cavern fully illuminated, and I worked very hard, along with many of you, to feed the lake with Arcana's pellets at every visit. Well, I enjoyed that work so much, I felt as if I was truly a part of something much larger than myself, and that our collective efforts would someday come to fruition in an amazing way. And when the cavern was reopened to us, I returned to my lake-feeding task with renewed effort, hoping to contribute in some small way to the return of the light. Well, with that in mind, it was something of a blow to hear reports that all of our lake-feeding efforts were for naught, that a study of the biology of the cavern had proved that there was actually no basis for our belief that we were relighting the lake, and that we were all wasting our time dropping pellets. And so, like I'm sure many of you, I stopped my regular visits to Arcana and concentrated on other activities. Well, that was the state of things until recently, when an unforeseen post in the Uru Explorers Forum, actually posted by Dr. Watson himself, verified what very few of us suspected, that in spite of what we thought, there really was a process in place and that our lake-feeding efforts were not only still necessary, they had actually made a difference. And granted, it was a subtle difference, but the lake was noticeably brighter in certain areas. Comparing recent imagery with photos taken early in the restoration process, you can plainly see that light levels are indeed increasing. And Dr. Watson explained that the process was expected to take several years, and although the brightening would be very gradual, this is to be expected. Basically, it's a very large lake, and we're feeding it with rather small pellets. So I'd like to encourage any of you who have ceased to feed the lake to renew your efforts. Now that we've been assured that it's not a pointless task after all, let's see what we can do to bring the lake alive again. For the Cavern Today, this is Moag signing off. Ah, my friend, you've brought the Big Macs and the fries. The donuts, my friend. Did you bring the donuts? Donuts. Give me the donuts. Where are the donuts? Fool! Oh, that's what you meant by donuts. Okay, well, uh, wrap it up now, please, Wing. I was about to if someone could keep quiet over there. Guys, shh. Wing's working. He's talking to you, Morris. If I have to come over there, you're going to be plastered in super glued nerf darts. Ah, <clears throat> oh, 
Uh, understood. Carry on. So, where was I? Oh, yeah. Thank you to everyone for listening to The Cavern today. We're glad to continue podcasting, and we're glad you continue listening. This is Wing Dairu on behalf of everyone at The Cavern today, signing off. Jeff Wise, welcome to the cavern hey. today. You were almost fired earlier, just so you know. Oh, that's because Nathan's is back. Oh, were you, have oh. you been testing it this entire time? Have we been recording the entire time? Yes, we have been. Mm. So, what have you been feeding these people, Patrick? They're like contributing bullet points and thoughtful input on the podcast. <laughs> I know, right? You wouldn't start a fight with Moog. You couldn't start a fight with Moog. It's not, a, not even a wood. Even if you wanted to, you <laughs> couldn't. I'm sorry, but you did not post links. You post linkies. Well, I posted linkies, <laughs> but they're just as effective as links. I assure you. Do you the want me to do dark. a dramatic reading of the reply from the narrator? Oh, God. Oh God. <laughs> a vacation within a vacation? We have to go yeah. deeper. <laughs> <laughs> I heard you like vacation, so I put a vacation in your vacation so you can vacation <laughs> while you vacation. Mm-hmm. Has anybody here been to the Hood of Illusions? Because no. it, it no longer exists at this point. I have. Really? Wait, they took it down. Yeah, it's gone. Why? why? I don't know why. I mean, it's just not there. <laughs> but you yeah. know, if, if they get a missed movie off the ground, they will have the missed movie tie-in game, which of course will be done by, you know, somebody terrible. You know, uh, on the other hand. Terrible movie tie-in game. It's it's like the, the cycle feeding itself. Uh, but I'm going to have to buy it. <laughs> Your Skype doesn't say what my Skype says, because my Skype says what I want it to say. Yes, and it's because you like being the master of everything. Um, ew. Excuse me. Sorry. <laughs> Jeff, Good. Good. My plan to conquer the universe by annoying Genethus is nearly complete. <laughs> it was a very poorly thought out plan. I was kind of drunk, but you know, when I think of plan, I stick with it. Now don't <laughs> Your, your estimation of near is not nearly as near as you think. Oh, dear. <laughs> In any case. I'm Moog here for the cavern today. <laughs> you know, Moog's always kind of like a, a Kermit the Frog. You know, hi-ho, Kermit the Frog. He is. It was me. I did it. I blame you, Dalkin. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drive down to Illinois, find your house, and just punch you in the face and drive away. I went to Anime Expo for Wait, like you're, you're not even going like, to hang out for the donuts or anything? Did you bring the donuts? <laughs> the donuts? Oh, no. The donuts, my friend. The donuts. Oh, you brought the Big Macs. Did you, did you bring the donuts? Have you tried <laughs> using the slider? <laughs> have you tried eating the slider? I would have made that game better. Welcome to Danny. You and I will live here.